irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. Welcome back to another Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of Max and Friends. Wherever you are in this now moment, I'm glad you're joining us. You know, I know we're here on LA Talk Radio and I know we're on all podcasting platforms. So I'm grateful that you're tuning in whatever day it is, whatever time it is. I will be here 13 years this May and I'm used to saying LA Talk Radio. They've been my family for 13 years. So the show has grown into an award-winning podcast. Before it was a podcast, it was internet radio, and I couldn't get any guests on the show. I had to pimp out all my friends and say, come and join me. And publicists were like, well, what's this about? What's internet radio? We don't think it's the right thing for our client. And now all those publicists who are like, can we get our client on your show? I'm like, well, I don't know if it's a right fit for the show. (laughs) No kidding. I welcome everyone to the show, but that is true. The story about publicists and managers not wanting people to come on Max and Friends literally 13 years ago. The first show, I'm going to do like a a montage to Max and Friends. The first show I think was, um, I know it was obviously me. And I think it was Daryl Dawkins, Um, Chocolate Thunder from the NBA. We were doing a cooking show together at the time. And Daryl came on to talk about the show. Ronan, when you get a chance, if you can look up for me what our first show was, I think it was Daryl Dawkins. Um, Let me know. So with that said, Summer is around the corner. I was just in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, You know, I went there. I have a home there, for those of you who don't know. And if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to the show. Tweet me at Max Tucci. Instagram me at Max Tucci. Let me know what's going on in your lives. But I really want to know. For real, that's something that I talk about often. I want to know what's going on in your life. But um, so I was in Boulder. We went there. I had to go check up on the house. And I just needed some time to get away and to just be still and know. And, you know, obviously there was the shooting in Boulder. And what I'll tell you about the vibe there, for those of you who've been asking me, um, and this is my first live show since, but um, it it was peaceful in the sense that Boulder has a very loving, strong community. And there were people playing cellos and violins, and it kind of like dissolved a lot of the hate and also... um, a lot of the the anger that people have, obviously 10 people were lost and it was a horrific experience. When a community rises together and love is the theme and it's woven into the fabric of the community, you feel it. And so I love Boulder. For all of you who are still grieving, check out our show here that I did with Gordana Birnat on raising the frequency of grief and explore that and know that However you're grieving, it's the right way for you. So one way I know that people, uh, how they grieve rather, is to read books so that they can escape into a place where where they can be somewhere else. Um, Maybe that place is called Sunshine Cove. Um, And why do I say that? Because I have a great guest coming on in just a bit. Rianne Thane is joining me. The path to Sunshine Cove. 
or Sunset Cove? It's Sunshine Cove, but what do you prefer? Sunshine, sun rising, sunsets, or just the sun shining in general? That's what I want to know. Um, so Ronan just let me know that my first show was Stacy Angela. Oh my gosh. I have to reach out to Stacy. Stacy and I talk every Sunday. Um, and Daryl was the fourth show, you know, with however many shows I have, who knows? I don't remember what's what, but I do remember the title of the book that I'm going to talk about today is the path to sunshine Cove. And, um, Later on, we have another guest, another author coming on, Allison Hammer, with her book, Little Pieces of Me. And why am I doing this? Because, like I said, summer is around the corner, and I want you to buy books. And I want you to take your books and read them wherever you go, have your summer journey, if you're going away this summer. And if going away this summer means you're going from the living room to the dining room, take the book with you, if that's your your holiday. But I think we're progressing in this um, pandemic. Uh, the path to Sunshine Cove, I think, is where we all need to be going. Um, after just a year and a half of total hell, we need some sunshine in our lives. So, you know, I'm going to I could talk forever. Y'all know this. But there's a little the little theme song we have that I want to play right now because it's a flashback. So let's do Throwback Sunday on Max and Friends. And when we're back, my guest, Rianne Thane, is going to join me. And we're going to talk about the book, The Path to Sunshine Cove. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. I can go anywhere. Friends to know and ways to grow, a reading rainbow. A reading rainbow. remember reading rainbow it was literally my favorite show and i wish they would bring it back and rolanda watts if you're listening i want you to be the voice of the show okay so let's get that going and speaking of getting things going i have to think first and foremost you know whenever i need authors to do summer reading i always reach out to my girl Anne Marie at get rid pr so that's a big shout out to you if y'all are writing books which i think everybody is doing now and you need a publicist get get some get red PR. Go get get. <laughs> Go get get red. <laughs> but um, with that said, my guest tonight, listen, you know you're an author when you've made it to number one publishers weekly, Wall Street Journal, but the New York Times bestseller list. How you doing? <laughs> so welcome to the show, Rianne Thane to Max and Friends, the path to Sunshine Cove. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure that you're here. So did you love the Reading Rainbow? Did you used to watch it? I did. I love the Reading Rainbow. It was just so soothing when you turn it on and uh, just explored all these different books that you maybe wouldn't have dreamed of picking up yourself. Right. Well, speaking of dreaming of picking up yourself, the path to Sunshine Cove, it's not your first time at the rodeo writing a book. So let's get into who you are and why did you start writing? 
Um, you know, I always love to read. Uh, again, Reading Rainbow, I loved watching that show. I always loved to read. It was the place that I escaped no matter what else was going on in life. You know, you could always find find a place inside of a book that was that was a wonderful place to explore. And so that's kind of where I started as a reader. And then I went into journalism. So I was a newspaper reporter and editor for years. But still, I wanted to write a romance novel. Those were the books I'd always loved to read. Um, and so that was kind of my dream was just to write one. And now it's 68 books later. <laughs> um, I've been doing it for a while, but I just, I, I love the first time I started, I started my first book 30 years ago. Our daughter was on, I was on maternity leave with our first daughter and I thought, well, I'm going to have a little bit of time here around this, taking care of this baby. It was so exciting to be a writer. I'd never had a fiction class. I'd never, you know, I'd written many, many nonfiction stories as a newspaper reporter, but never um, fiction. And I loved that whole universe, being able to control mm. everything, no matter what happened, I could make these characters do this, do that, you know, until they develop their own minds and, and take the story in their own direction. But it was an amazing experience. And 68 books later. <laughs> so what do you tell the person who's listening right now that wants to write their first book? I say go for it. Honestly, just just have the courage to go for it. Find it, what really helped me to to sort of progress. I read every book I could about fiction writing for one thing, um, and then I found a kind of a group of other supportive writers that we had a had a critique group, and we would read uh, what we'd written that month or whatever. And and that was my first chance of getting kind of reader interaction. And that was really empowering to know that they were laughing at the parts I wanted them to laugh at. They were moved at the mm. part I wanted them to be moved by, you know, and so there is something to be said for having that sort of interaction, mm. but really just, just have the courage to do it. It does take courage to start. And really it takes more courage to finish and say, okay, this is as good as it's going to get right now. I'm going to send it off into the world, be brave and, and send it to agents or publishers or wherever you want to do it. Or if you want to self publish, there's, there are many more opportunities for writers now than there were when I started 30 years ago. You know, there was no Kindle, you know, that was, I was in the journey. I'd already been published for by. 12, 13 years by then before mm -hmm. Kindle came along. Um, and so, you know, just, just be, be creative, but be courageous. That's the big, yeah, thing. I love that. You know, I'm writing a book and it took me 15 years to get it going. It's about my family's restaurant, Delmonico's and then all the lit agents I've had, and then all you know, the rejections I've had. So courage really, I think is something that motivates mm -hmm. uh, that motivated me to do it. And also believing mm -hmm. in, in what I, what I was giving birth to. I call it the elephant birth. Books to me are an elephant birth. <laughs> they take forever, but don't give up. Has there ever been any point in time where you wrote something and you were like, oh my God, what is this? And have trashed it? <laughs> there are times when... I have to really, really, really work on the prose. You know, I, I might throw down a really horrible first draft and just know that there are holes and know that there are things I have to work on. But somehow, miraculously, it all comes together at the end. It does. I think my there's one book that I that I'm I'm never going to republish. It was my publisher published it, and I have the rights to it now. It was way back in my early career, and I, that's one that I'm you know I'm glad. <laughs> Actually, there's two maybe that I'm glad are not going to see the light of day. <laughs> 
learn by everything you write and and every book is a, is a learning process and I think yeah. you have to relearn the process even though I've written 68 books every book is harder than the one before mm. I have to relearn I have to push myself and if I'm not pushing myself I'm not I know I'm not giving my readers what they need if it's not hard for me I know that it's I, I it needs to be hard because otherwise I'm not giving my best to my readers yeah no I appreciate that and you know everyone thinks oh it's I'm going to write a book and, you know, when I had Jackie Collins on the show a long time ago, I said, Jackie, what advice do you give them? And she said, a page a day for a year and you have a book. <laughs> right. You know, it really, it, it is all, it all comes down to just continuing to sit down and do the work. That's the yeah. secret. It's just button chair. That's the, <laughs> that's yeah. you do is just, just plow through it. And it's hard and every day is hard, but you know, you just, I just love the process of being done with a book and looking back at it and saying, I created that with my brain that whole thing came from me, you know, the way it turns out is down to me. And, and there is something very empowering about that. Absolutely. We're going to talk about the book, The Path to Sunshine Cove. That's your, your newest release. I love reading for the summer. I think summers, any time is a great time to read, but there's something about reading in the summer that I think is just more magical. I think maybe because the sun shines so bright. So let's talk about The Path to Sunshine Cove. and. How did, where in your spirit did it start percolating that this is going to be my next book? <laughs> so it was one of those cases where I had, I keep an idea file. I write down anytime something comes to me that I think I might be able to do in a book. And I was trying to come up with an idea. I looked through my file and I had like three or four ideas there that I thought, you know what, I'm going to combine all of these because they're all things I want to write about and it works for these particular characters. So the main genesis was I had, I heard a, a radio ad about a company that helps senior citizens downsize, clean out their houses, downsize their houses if they need to transition to like senior apartments or something like that. And so I thought, well, that would be a great career for somebody who didn't want to stay in one place very long. They could go to someone's house. They could help them do what they need to do, move on to the next job. And so I thought, who would be that person who wouldn't want to stay and why not? Why did they not want to put down roots? And so that was sort of where the idea came from. I came up with the idea of these two sisters who had this very traumatic event that really traumatic childhood, but then one particular traumatic event in their childhood, they each responded very differently. One of them, Jess, has uh, decided that she doesn't want to let people become entangled in her life. And so she goes off and um, helps senior citizens clean out their houses. The other one is very much about family. She was taken into foster care um, after these traumatic things happened. Mm. And she's in foster care for the last few years of high school. She fell in love. Um, she started a family very young. And so she's all about, she's a social media influencer. She's all about family and home and her kids and things like that. And then she has kind of a, a life-changing situation when her youngest son is diagnosed with autism. And so she has to sort of come to terms with that. Meanwhile, Jess, the other sister, gets a job in the same little town of um, Cape Sanctuary. Uh, and so she comes back to help to visit her sister, to kind of connect with her nieces and nephew, and also to take care of this um, older woman's house. Mm. You know, I love the quote that it says, you have a brand new story with your trademark charm and heart. <laughs> So when you write from the heart and when you create these characters, do you ever think of them becoming a movie? And if so, who would play them? 
<laughs> well, um, you know, people ask me that, and it, I don't really see it that way. I know there are a lot of authors who do the whole, you know, right. uh, inspiration board and things like that so that they can picture these characters. And I sort of don't because I like to let my readers imagine who they want themselves mm-hmm. to, to play the characters. Uh, you know, I just think anybody, I mean, I do have a few people that have come in my mind, but. I, I hate to say it because then, it, you know, <laughs> it changes. It it's true. Picture. You know, that's the best answer because everyone's always like, oh, Sandra Bullock or, oh, you know, Julia Roberts. And then at the end of the day, what it does is it crushes the imagination and the daydreaming of the reader. I love that answer, Rian. <laughs> awesome answer. Rian Thane is my guest. The book, The Path to Sunshine Cove, it talks about autism, handguns, deaths, <laughs> Life, grief, moving, loving, family. It's its a little bit of everything for exactly, I think, what so much of us are going through right now. Has Did the pandemic change your writing perspective at all? Uh, very much so. It, mainly it changed my writing life. It did change my perspective. But, you know, we have a special needs child. And so suddenly we went from him having a program all day to my husband and I caring for him. And so mm. it very much changed, you know, my my full-time writing life turned to a few hours a day and mm-hmm. a few hours at night. And so that that altered, certainly altered. I think it it made me very much appreciate things more and be very grateful for my life. The fact that I'm a writer, I can work wherever. I, I wasn't affected by by mm-hmm. a lot of the things that other people were in terms of job job insecurities and things like that. I'm so grateful that I could do what I do anywhere, but I also am so grateful that I could make people happy. I got so many responses from people who said, your books are helping me through this pandemic. Thank you. Because my, my books, the overriding message of all of them is that you can have hard things happen, but you can still find joy. Life, mm. life is hard for all of us. There's difficult things that we all have to face, you know, but you can still manage to, to pick out the things that are going to make you happy, that, that are going to make other people happy. And so that's sort of, I think the, my, the point of my books is, you know, life is hard. It's, there's no getting around it. It is. There's no. There's no avoiding it. But you can still find joy. Um, you know, I have a. I have a message on my computer on my la- wallpaper that says, "I may not change the world, but I can change someone's afternoon." And that's sort of been my goal as a writer. And I've. I've enjoyed during the pandemic. It's really touched my heart to hear from readers who say, "You know, I was having a horrible day. My husband lost his job, or whatever." Your book helped me through that. And now I'm feeling better, you know, and what more can I ask for? As an That's author? beautiful. Well, you know, speaking of re- um, readers reaching out to you, how, how can readers find you? So the best way is probably through my website. It's rayannethane.com. It's R-A-E-A-N-N-E-T-H-A-Y-N-E.com. And then I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, all the usual places. All over the place. So uh, what was your first New York Times bestselling book? And do you remember getting the call? And what was your reaction? Three-part question. Okay. <laughs> You're going to make me cry because I always cry when I talk about this. But my um, my first book was uh, Christmas in Snowflake Canyon. And that was about my, I want to say, it happened in 2013. And I sold my first book in 96. So you can see it had been a long process in between there. Um, but... The, the emotional part of it is that my my parents died all within like five weeks of each other. It was the Wednesday before my dad's funeral on Saturday. So I'd had like a horrible oh. five weeks and I got the news um, Wednesday, the Saturday after my dad died Saturday. I got the news Wednesday that it hit the New York Times and it was like so 
exciting and wonderful and joyful, but I wanted my parents, the first ones I wanted mm. to call my parents and they were both gone within the last month, you know? And so it was very emotional, but you know, my, like my sisters uh, were, I uh, have a big family and they were so supportive and so wonderful. And they told everyone like my mom would have done. She would have called everyone she knew <laughs> to tell them. And so my sisters took up, took that job and did that. And that's um. the, the path to sunshine cove is about sisters. And I have four sisters and, you know, so that is, uh, that's part of why I wrote that book because that, that sister relationship can be so important. Absolutely. So you take aspects of your life and write them in your book. <laughs> well, important to me. I like to yeah. follow those themes and my family is definitely the most important thing to me. Uh, well, you know, I like to say, you know, my father passed when I was eight years old. So writing this book about the restaurant in Delmonico's, which was in our family's restaurant, has been like the tribute to him. And even though like I can't like you couldn't tell him like, look, my book, you know, I know that somewhere out there. That was a good song somewhere out there. But um, somewhere out there, you know, they're the ones shifting things, making them happen. So, you know, I'm sure that that New York Times bestseller book, they were having a good giggle. Saying, <laughs> Girl, you know what? Just We're going to bring you some joy. And, you know, I love that you say life is hard, but there's always joy. And I always say that, you know, just because there's clouds doesn't mean that the sun isn't shining. Right. So the clouds will move. The sun will break through. And if you're going through some hard shit in life right now, just take a deep breath, exhale and love. And um, I'm grateful that you're here listening to Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Succi. My guest, Rian Thane, the book, The Path to Sunshine Cove. Tell us about the cover. Let's give some description narrative because, you know, I love the fact that we can describe things. Um, and since you're a writer, describe the cover of your book for those who aren't able to see it and bring us on that journey to the cover and then into the book. So imagine the gorgeous coastal scene in Northern California. You've got cliffs, you've got pines leading up from the water, you've got waves crashing against the shore, and then you've got this gate in the forefront, this white picket gate with a towel over it that you can open and walk through that path to the ocean uh, and hear the sounds and listen to the gulls and, and smell the salt spray and maybe feel that mist on your face. That's, that's the cover for me. Mm. And then we open the pages. And what is it that you want readers to take from the path to Sunshine Cove? You know, that, that again, the message is basically that, that you can have hard things happen in your life, but unless you let yourself be open to relationships and, and be willing to push away the past and realize that's not going to control everything that happens in your future, you know, then you're not going to be happy unless you're willing to do that. You, in this particular case, they Jess in particular had to say, I can't let those things that happen to me define the rest of my life. I can choose differently. I couldn't choose as a child, the home that I was born in, but I can choose in this, as an adult to be willing to love. And that's mm -hmm. basically the message she had to Yes, that's the message for everyone. Be willing to love, be willing to love. So what do you have planned for this summer? Um, well, we are maybe going to take a couple of trips. I have a house in Southern Utah. We're going to go down, spend some more time in Southern Utah, uh, do some hiking and things like that and just be together as a family like we have been. My youngest son goes to college next fall. And Congratulations. So, yeah, <laughs> so there'll be a, a bit of a change, life change there. Um, but basically I have more books to write. I have another book uh, that I'm working on in the same, same 
community. They're very uh, separate books. They're self-contained um, books in the series, but they're set in Cape Sanctuary, my little fictional town in Northern California. Beautiful. You know, before we go, what drew you towards the romance concept? Um, probably because I I love happy endings. I'm an I'm an int- I think I'm an optimist at heart. I, newspapers were not the best place for me. <laughs> I <because laughs> people didn't like me, and you know they didn't like the stories that I was putting out there, and that was hard. And conflict is not something I love, and so I love the fact that I can and write books about people who who are building a better world and who are caring for others and accepting love into their life. Beautiful. So what books will you read this summer? What books will I read this summer? I have a huge TBR. I'm going, working through the Bridgertons again. I read them, the the Julia Quinn books. I read them when they came out, but I'm rereading those. Um, I really like reading historical romance. Those are some of my favorites. My friend Jill Chavez uh, has a book out that I'm excited to read coming up. Um, they're just, a, I have a huge, huge list of books. I love it. So I have a note here and it says to ask, what are you binge watching? <laughs> binge watching. <laughs> well, you know, the new Hemingway thing on, on, yes. um, on, yeah, PBS was fabulous. I've been, we watched the first episode and we're getting ready to watch the others there. Um, I, we really enjoyed um, some of the older uh, BBC documentaries and shows like that. We've been watching those a lot. I'm, I'm in love with, British um, quiz shows. So would I lie to you is like my absolute favorite. If you need a lift, look on YouTube for the show. Would I lie to you? I promise you'll laugh. I'm making a note. Would I lie to you? (laughs) You know, I just saw an amazing documentary um, called the biggest little farm. Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen that one. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it's a one-off. It's like an hour and 30 minutes of the most sensational ride ever where this couple from California, they they daydream of a farm and then it becomes a reality. A 200-acre farm with pigs and cows and goats and chickens and ducks and, and everything and coyotes and all that come with it. It is the most touching, beautiful story that I think is, I, you would enjoy it. The where biggest little farm. I saw it on Hulu. So I think on, on all streaming platforms, you know, but definitely take a look at it. You know, I'd like, thank you for sharing with me. So I have to share with you one of my favorite. Thank you. Brianne, I'm so grateful that you were able to join us here on Max and Friends. The book, The Path to Sunshine Cove. Get it. Get it. Read it. Love it. Enjoy it. Tweet us about it. Reach out to Rianne. You know how to RianneThane.com. And let her know you love the book. I love when people give feedback, don't you? Absolutely. It's the greatest thing. Cool. So before I let you go, what's one thing you want people to take with them into this week? reach out and touch somebody else, lift somebody else's life. That's the, we're all here to learn how to take care of each other. And there's probably some act of kindness you could do that can definitely change somebody's life this week. I love that. And I agree with you, you know, together we rise. So there's beauty in that. Thank you so much for joining me here on Max and Friends. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward. I'm going to go get the book now. I haven't even seen it. I told I told Emery, I said, I need some authors. Who are the best authors? She goes, oh, the Path to Sunshine Cove. <laughs> Girl, I'm ordering it. And then she because usually I'll get the book before. So but now I'm excited to read it because, you know, I have my sister. I love my sister. And pandemic has been kind of weird. So, you know, maybe the Path to Sunshine Cove will bring me back on the path to uh to be cool with her. <laughs> but I appreciate you so much. Have a beautiful week ahead. And thank, thank you for being on Max and Friends. Thank See you so you much. Soon. My pleasure.
All right, y'all, coming up next, we're not going to stop there. We have summer reading galore on Max and Friends. My next guest is Allison Hammer, the book Little Pieces of Me. And until then, let's play a song right now here on Max and Friends. Asheru is Beautiful Light. See you all, see you all in a minute. <laughs> we will talk to you all in just a minute. Be right back with my guest, Allison Hammer. Stay tuned.
beautiful light that I see Baby, you're the one Welcome back to Max and Friends. We just talked about the path to Sunshine Cove. Now we're going to talk about little pieces of me. What are some little pieces of you? Tweet me at Max Tucci and let me know. What does that mean to you? Well, it's a new book by author Allison Hammer, who's going to join us right now, Max and Friends. But before we invite Allison, you know, I just got to hear that theme song again, Ronan. Can we hit it? Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. I can go anywhere. Friends to know and ways to grow, a reading rainbow. I can be anything. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. <laughs> L.A. Talk Radio, this is Max and Friends. You know, I was just saying it is a reading. I forgot my mic was on and I'm talking already. It's a reading rainbow here on Max and Friends. Welcome, my guest, Allison Hammer to Max and Friends. Hi, thank you for having me. Does that mean we're friends now? We are friends. The second time you're family. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> so since you have two books, I'm sure there'll be a third, so you'll have to come back. <laughs> <Want to. laughs> Little pieces of me, before we get into the book, you and me and us and every day, every damn day writers, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't like to read too much about my guests before I have them on because I want to know who you are as like my guests learn who you are. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so before we get into little pieces of me, great summer read. You all have to get it right now. Go buy it. It was released April 13th. It's an Aries. You're going to love it, but we're going to talk about it in a minute. Let's get into the genesis of Allison Hammer. Why did you start writing? So it's interesting. I've been a storyteller as long as I can remember. My sister and I would put on plays for my parents in the living room, and I wrote like a poetry book in third grade and short stories. But when I was in college, um, I wrote a short story, and the character, sometimes characters just get in your head and stay with you. and this short story was like, the character was like, I've got more to tell you. And so I started writing a novel. Um, it took me 15 years to finish um, because I, I just wasn't really making it a priority, which kind of gets into why I now write every damn day. But I, um, it took me 15 years to finish the first book. Um, and that's not my debut. That, was the, um, that book is currently in a drawer. Um, but I kept writing and, and that's really... You know, a lot of writers, I don't feel like we have a choice. Like there's a story inside of us and um, it just has to come out. <laughs> it does. You know, and I would say everyone has a story. They yeah. just not, not everyone has a platform to tell it. You know, so that's why I love doing this show, because I'm like, if you have a story, I love storytelling. You know, and as we spoke prior to the show, I have my book coming out about Delmonico's and the cookbook. But it's really more about storytelling because anyone can, you know, not everyone, but most people know how to cook. And if you can't cook, you can hard boil an egg. But if you don't know how to storytell, you're going to have a pretty shitty party. You know, totally. so it's it's about storytelling. I so, think a meal is a story. Like I think, you know, I my day job's in advertising and that's like ads are stories. And I think that as a writer, and that's 
you know, part of a little where the inspiration of the book came from is that I see stories everywhere. Some of them are more obvious, but, um, but yeah, I love that. There are stories everywhere. And if you know how to tell a great story, then any, like, cause the book is also about entertaining. So yeah. anything that you do will be an amazing thing. And also let other people tell their stories. Uh, being a good storyteller is also listening to other people's stories. That's what I learned a long time ago. A hundred percent. Speaking of like writing in 15 years, it's also been 15 years for me for this book. I call it the elephant birth. It's you know, crazy. it's like, oh my God, will this like thing already be born? But with that said, what advice do you give those who are listening now who want to write, who, you know, might have put that concept, that storytelling in a drawer or on top of the shelf? How do you dust it off and how do you inspire them or what do you say to inspire them? Yeah, so I learned I can save you guys hopefully 15 years from what I learned. <laughs> and what I did, the reason it took me 15 years is I wasn't making a priority. And I think that um, you put your time, I, I went to a great um, presentation where they were talking about your time is your most valuable currency. And you can tell what you care about by where you put your time. And during those 15 years, it, I wasn't making it a priority. But I also kept editing myself. And I would write something and then I would craft it and then I would move on and craft it. And it was so slow because, you know, editing takes time. And so now the advice that I tell that I tell writers is to finish first and just get it on the page. And I don't know, I, we, I don't know if we can say a bad word on the show. Of but, course you can. Okay. <laughs> um, I wasn't sure. So um, I really embrace the mentality of the shitty first draft. And that is literally just getting it out there and getting it, you know, I don't really start editing until I write the end. And that has been a huge lesson for me. One of my favorite writers, Jodi Picot, I quote her all the time. And just last night, I heard her saying the quote herself, which was I'm like, hey, I use it all the time. She said that she says that you can edit a bad page, but you can't edit a blank page. And that gives me permission as a writer to be bad. And I say it that, one more time. <laughs> say it one more time, because I know that people are like, oh, that was good, but they couldn't write it down. And so how would say it one more time? The, the line or the... The, the um, quote, the quote, the quote. Okay, the quote. And she says it all the time. It's, you can edit a bad page, but you can't edit a blank page. Fact. And, fact. Full yeah. stop, drop the mic. 100%. <laughs> it's brilliant. And I think that as writers and as people, we tend to be so hard, hard on, harder on ourselves than we are on anybody else. And yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of times we can look at a page and be like, I have to be brilliant. And like, no one is brilliant on their first draft. Like... Every writer, your favorite writers go through edits and go through a process. And so I think that if you take that pressure off yourself and just let it, you know, my critique partner always tells me that the first draft, its only job is to exist. Mm -hmm. um, other people say that it's basically the writer telling um, themselves the story. And so just once you get that first draft down, then you can make it shine and anything's possible. Absolutely. Well, you have two books, so you obviously know this by now. You and me and us and little pieces of me. But, you know, what's interesting about editing for like, you know, this is a whole new process and journey for me. Yeah. So it's like, has there ever been any part of your books where you're like to your editor, screw you, like I wanted that in there? <laughs> you know, I have a great team and I trust them and they trust me. And there are there were a few things um, in You and Me and Us, my debut novel. There was one chapter that my agent wanted me to, to lose. Um, it's a point of view of a character that we haven't heard from as a point of view before. And she's like, it just doesn't make sense. And I was like, I really want it in there. Um, I know that there are rules, but I'm also a big believer that sometimes rules are made to be broken. So she said, okay, like an editor was not going to turn down the book because of one chapter late in the book. She's <laughs> like, we can always remove it later if we need to. 
and I'm happy to say it's still in the book. So, um, oh, so we got to figure out what chapter it is. <laughs> I guess I mean it'll be pretty obvious if you read the book. But um, you know, I always, I think my background in advertising, I'm used to getting feedback and and critique and mm-hmm. things like that. So I'm very comfortable with it, and I love it. You know, one of my one of my quotes that I say all the time is that writing is not a solo sport. And the reason I can be so proud of my books is that I didn't write them on my own. I had a lot of people who who helped my agent. She's brilliant. This book, Little Pieces of Me, would not be what it is without her. She, um, and we'll maybe get into it when we talk more about the book, but I originally had the book structured in three parts. Um, and my agent read it and suggested that I take it all apart and put it back together again. And as soon as I was over the panic of, oh my God, that's a lot of work. I was like, she's right. And so I'm always okay thinking about things, or I always will try things. My agent had a, another suggestion at one point um, that I wasn't sure about, but I tried it. And then I tried solving her problem another way. And I think that that just ability to play and to try and to see what happens um, mm-hmm. is is really helpful when you're when you're writing a book and when you're collaborating. No, that's a beautiful um, offering to our listeners because I you know, be flexible. That's what I say. Yeah. You know, be flexible, and some things will make it, something won't. And if you really like, for me, there's a really good book called "The Courage to Be Disliked: Japanese Philosophy," Ooh. and I like I had to read that because it's like it's okay. Like people aren't going to like me when I have when you know I'm designing my hybrid baby, which is my. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I think that our instinct is to be like, no, like my right. baby is pretty, my baby is beautiful, exactly, <laughs> and it is. Sometimes the baby ugly. <laughs> it, it, it can be a beautiful baby, but it can be even more beautiful if you let people help you. And and again, I think it's taking time and sometimes your first reaction. So whenever my agent sends me an email with feedback, we usually set up time to talk like the next day or two days. So I have time to like think and process it. So I don't have my first reaction like, what are you talking about? It's perfect. Exactly. It always makes it better. So Little Pieces of Me, it was born April 13th. How long did it take you to write the book? So again, my my first book I ever wrote took 15 years. And then uh-huh. I discovered this magical thing called NaNoWriMo, um, National Novel Writing Month. It's an international program that challenges writers around the world to write 50,000 words in the month of November. Um, I am a very strangely competitive person against myself. Like I love challenges. I'm I have a sleep app that like tells me my percentage quality of sleep the night before. And every morning I'm like, how did I do? Did I beat, you know, my like all time record? Um, so the, the daily um, word count goals and things like that help. So with both you and me and us and little pieces of me, I wrote the first draft in, um, in two months, which is wow. Yeah. From 15 years to two months. It's pretty crazy. That's amazing. Well, you know, that's also when we know better, we do better, right? Oh, I love that. I love that. That's great. My Angelou, my Angela, I can't take credit. When we yeah. know better, we do better. And no experience is ever wasted. I love that one because even though it took 15 years, it's like, okay, now when you get in the groove of things, it, it picks up. Little pieces of me, let's get into it. Okay. Us, and I want, before we get into the book, how did your mom get a copy before you? <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, I didn't get my author copies until like the day before publication. And my mom, um, she's probably listening. So hi, mom. She <laughs> is like my biggest fan and cheerleader and supporter. And she called Barnes & Noble in St. Louis to say, <laughs> I want to pre-order this book. Because um, she she had, had like 16 copies. She ordered from indie bookstores. She ordered from Barnes & Noble. She like, she could probably open a bookstore and like sell my book. But um she called to pre-order 
And they're like, oh, we, we just got them in stock if you want to come and get them. And they had five and they only let her buy two. So she's, <laughs> so she's she like, it before venture me. got in a pandemic, go to buy the books, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love that she went to a bookstore. I think we need to do that more and more and more, especially now. You know, Absolutely. bookstores are opening, support them, go buy the book. The Little Pieces of Me, obviously, if you can't and you don't want to and you want to get it online, it's available now. But support local bookstores. All right. My PSA on that is over. Let's talk about the book and give us the journey and the essence of the book. Okay. Um, So Little Pieces of Me is a story of identity and family secrets and relationships. Um, It's the story of a woman um, her name is Paige, and she finds out through a DNA website, kind of like Ancestry.com, that the dad she adored growing up with is not her biological father. So the story takes place in present day as she makes this discovery and as she figures out what it means for herself, the way she sees herself, um, her relationship with her mother, which is a difficult relationship, and what it means for her relationship with her father, who had recently passed away. And then it goes back in 1974, um, as we see her mom, her dad, and her DNA dad all in college at the University of Kansas. So we see um, the past reveal itself as we're um, experiencing the the discovery and journey with Paige. In the present, the past always will reveal itself, right? They say that truth crushed the ground shall rise again, right? So somehow it rises. And I think little pieces of me, I know it rises because girl finds, Paige finds out. As what was percolating, I love saying like, what was percolating in your soul when you were writing this book? Like, what was it for you that said, you know what, this is my story that I want to share now? Well, the story was actually inspired by something that happened to a friend of mine. Um, And I, it was back in 2017, because like you said, elephant births, they take a long time to to come into the world. Um, But I went to a bar in Chicago where I was meeting some friends and I saw my friend and said, hi. And she said, you'll never guess what I found out on Ancestry.com. And so I started guessing and I guessed a few current and historical political figures that knowing her, she wouldn't want to be related to. And she kept saying no. And I kept getting like worse in history. And I'm like, what? And she told me she got a parent-child match with a man who wasn't her father. And that she had done a little research and um, that she found out through some Googling that this man went to college the same time and place her parents did when she was conceived. And then wow. she said that she, it didn't look like this man had any other children. And that is literally when the moment that spark of the story came alive in my head. And so my friend was helpful in telling me about some of the logistics of her experience. She shared with me her, um, her, the transcript of her conversation with ancestry.com customer service, like, are you Customer sure service. <laughs> is this my daddy? <laughs> like, are you sure? Is there any way that you're not wrong? Um, and so she was very helpful, but it's not her story. Her story was like the launch pad and the spark of it. Uh, yeah. The inspiration. It. The inspiration. She was the inspiration for sure. You know, I have a little note here that says it's a big thing to, from one of my producers. It's a big thing today. A lot of group of people discovering their parents are not their biological parents. It's huge. There's. Um, Do you think was, pandemic like kicked that off? Like we're bored. Who's my daddy? <laughs> no, you know, like, it's really interesting because um, DNA used to be something that was like for police and detectives. CSI. And, and like, yeah. it was, like a big ordeal to get DNA tested. Um, but now anybody you spit in a tube and send it off and you can find things out and it's you know, there are groups that um, there is one that I feature in the book, um, but even within that, so it's like not parent expected or people who find different siblings. There's also 
a lot of people like, you know, and I feel really a little bit bad for all these men who like, you know, in their, in the past had went, donated sperm for like money, like thinking that like never in a million years would they think that <laughs> technology and science would get to a point where, I mean, there are, I've heard of groups where, you know, there's 30 half siblings because like, you know, from it's amazing. Same, yeah, it's crazy. Well, you know, little pieces of me is the book. My guest is Allison Hammer. Follow me at Max Tucci. And how do we follow you? I am this hammer everywhere. So not that hammer, but this hammer. <laughs> and not MC Hammer. This hammer. You know, there was a movie called Made in America with Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. And, that, and for some reason, it just picked up in my like, I was like, oh, this sounds like, you know, little pieces of me. But little pieces of me, there is a character named Andy Abrams. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Andy Abrams, just because when I read, you know, I don't like to read, like I said, I don't like to read too much about my guests and, you know, what's in the book until mm-hmm. after then I read the book and I'm like, oh my God, that was, I have to like listen to myself to read the books. But um, yeah. Andy Abrams, my agency is Abrams. So I'm like, oh, that name is a good name. So if it's a good name, tell us about Andy and what's his role in this book. Well, I don't want to tell too much about him because he's kind of like a, just a snippet. <laughs> a snippet. Okay. So Andy Abrams is one of my favorite characters to write. He's just wonderful. Um, he is um, an athlete and an artist and an act, like he's good in school. He's kind of that, that, that golden boy who's good at everything mm-hmm. um, and that things aren't that hard for him. Um, but he has some internal struggles that he's dealing with. And I, and he, you know, he doesn't have to try very hard to be good at sports or school, but his passion is art. And his father is very much, he, you know, this is in the 1970s. His father is very much like he cares about football and school in that order. Um, his mom is more supportive of his artistic side, but I think he's struggling with with his identity and, and expressing himself. And um, he is just a you know he's not perfect. Everybody makes mistakes, but I um, he was really fun to write, and I cannot wait. You know these these characters have been living in my head for so many years, and I'm so excited that people are starting to read them and like. I love joining book clubs to, to for Q&As virtually mm-hmm. to talk about them because these characters are like friends to me and get like, I can't wait for people to read and get to know them. But Andy is definitely a favorite. I love it. You know, they are. It's like daydreaming into reality. You know, it's like yeah. the imaginary friends are becoming real. Who would play Andy Abrams in in your movie of Little Pieces of Me? Have you thought of it? So I am like terrible. I love pop culture, but I'm horrible with like actors names. So I always ask people we had um, Betsy is, is um, one of the characters that back in 1974 and someone suggested Amy Adams for her. And I was like, Oh my God, that would be perfect. Um, For Andy Abrams. He's in the 1974 and present day and present day. I could see him like Andy Cohen. I know Andy, I don't know how much acting he does. (laughs) Like, I know he's like, you know, does a lot of like film stuff as himself, but um, if he's willing to, to go um, to the, the fictional world, I could see I could see him being like current day Andy Abrams. Casting it, right? Yeah, so it. what from little pieces of me, what do you want people to take from the book? Oh, I love that question. A few things. I, there are two things mainly. Um, one, I think that as children, you know, teenagers, adults, and this was a theme in, in You and Me and Us too. A lot of times I don't think we think about our parents as people, that they were people before us. You know, in, in You and Me and Us, there's a scene where the 14-year-old daughter says, like, but you're my dad. And her dad's like, yes, but I'm my own person. And it was about a conversation that 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 he had a secret or he had something from his past. And I think that one of my favorite reviews on Goodreads of Little Pieces of Me was that 
the reader, when she finished, wanted to call her mom and schedule time to have a conversation with her about her life and get to know her as a person beyond her mom, which I think is really, um, was really special. And then the other thing is just that identity that, you know, I think we as people try to put ourselves in boxes. We try to define ourselves by our job or our, you know, where we're from, our religion, our marital status. You know, there's so many ways that we try to define ourselves and put labels. And the title of the book is Little Pieces of Me. And the journey that my character goes on is she realizes that we're not just one of these things. So she's more than her DNA. She is, you know, her DNA. She's her job. She's the people she loves, the people who love her and her life experiences. All of those things make up who we are. So just mm. that, that idea about identity. It is. We're all just one big puzzle in a box of like a million pieces that somehow we have to put together, right? And we just hope that nothing gets lost. No pieces. Right. <laughs> and if they do, it's like, it's still complete. It's it's totally. perfectly complete. <laughs> perfectly yeah. incomplete, right? Perfectly, in, perfectly imperfect. Perfectly imperfect. That's actually a consignment shop my mom shops at in Boca. <laughs> I love that. Right, perfectly imperfect. But um, so there's so much to talk about and there's like such the illusion of time. But um, so I love summer reading. And it's something that I think everyone, like, especially after coming out of just like, you know, a hellish year and a half, like people are finally like starting to get out. They're going to start going to the beach. They're going to start bringing books with them. Little Pieces of Me will be one of them. Yes, but what please. books are you carrying to your summer reading list? So many. Um, I'll just name a couple if that's okay. Um, I just binge listened to um, an audiobook, The Songbook of Benny Lament by Amy Harmon. I was obsessed with it. Um, another really good one is Are We There Yet by Kathleen West. Love Are We There Yet. So good. Yeah, Kathleen's yeah. a friend of mine. And if you are have are a parent of teenagers and don't know what Finsta is, you should read this book. But it's about parenting and social media and um, just the struggles. And again, a different way of identity, but parents who, who try to take blame or credit for their what their children do. So I think it's like the, the different spectrum of, of where, where I go in my book. Um, Jessica Strasser wrote A Million Reasons Why, which is another book on DNA, which um, I love seeing the way that she worked the story. And then one that I'm that's not out yet that I'm like so ridiculously excited about is um, People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Um, her book last year, Beach Read, was one of my favorites. And this one, I got to read an advanced copy. It comes out, I think, May 11th. And it is just incredible. So everybody put that on your list for sure. So who have you been on vacation that you still think of? Oh, goodness. So I um, I'm, I do the same vacations every year. <laughs> and I know a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I do. Um, it's called The Rock Boat. Mm -hmm. And it's a floating music festival. And it's like 30 bands on a cruise ship. I've done wow. it for 20 years. This will be year 21. Um, I do another. There's a charity event, Rock by the Sea, that I do every year um, coming up in May. And it's a charity music festival. So I love music. And so I'm usually wear music where there's music and, and fun. But I have a group of friends that are spread out across the country and we get together twice a year for these things. So our friendships, you know, we connect through the year online, but in person twice a year, they're my vacation. Um, you know, that they're, they're my vacation, um, the highlights of my vacation usually. I love it. Do you know the book, This Was Not the Plan? No. Oh, you have to get, I had Christina on the, uh, Christina Alder, great book. Oh, I know, and, I know her, yeah. Yeah, she's super sweet. And, um, and the book, This Was Not the Plan is like, that was one of my favorite books about parenting and, you know, and kids. And, um, 
I'm getting a note as we're speaking uh, from one of our, how much time do we have left? <laughs> I don't understand that 55. Um, so yeah, I got to just like get back into radio mode. Cause I feel like I'm having a conversation with you and I'm like all scattered. I love it. We are totally. So the book, little pieces of me, is there any part of the book that was, that is like that you put yourself in? Is there like, is the, are you a character in the book? Um, I am probably, there's probably little pieces of me in all the characters. I think that, um, that's a great question. Not anybody specifically. I do like to drop some Easter eggs. So anytime I, I have names that are not like character names, but there needs to be a name, I try to use a family or a friend. And so it's really fun when they when they read the book and see themselves yeah. in there. Um, but I think that I, I, that's a really good question. I don't know if there's specifically a character, but I'm sure that there are, I'm sure that my friends see little pieces of me in the characters because it's hard not to put put yourself and your life experience and your thoughts into um, characters when you're writing. Mm. What about you and me and us? Are you in there? I am. I, so I tell people because that, that book is like my, my book baby. That's the one that I worked on for those characters have been living in my head for 20 years. And I tell people, I am not Alexis, the main character, <laughs> but if you don't like me, you will not like her. So she definitely has some of my personality traits being a workaholic and being a little competitive. Um, but I'm also very much like the daughter Cece. Like I, I was probably a brat when I was a teenager and I owe my parents an apology. Um, so I think that I, I see pieces of myself in both of them. But no, I've not written a character that is exactly me. And I don't know if I'd ever be able to do that. Because I don't know if I want to look at myself that closely. But, you know, like, cause you have to be, you have to have characters be real and flawed. And um, that would be tough to write myself. But I do put right. little pieces of myself in. That's so much fun. So little pieces of me. When you got the box of your books and you're opening them, you can find, you can see it on the hammer, right? This, this, this hammer, yeah. This hammer, this hammer. We said it a million times and I forgot it. That's just the nature of life. This hammer, go on Instagram, you can see it. What were, like, when the box arrived before you even got on video, what was your emotion? What were you thinking? Well, it accidentally got sent to my office, which has been <laughs> closed for a year. So I had to go and pick it up. And it was just like, I was like, I hope the box wasn't too heavy. <laughs> um, but it was exciting. I mean, there, like in my head, I'm like, it's not that different from the advanced copies. There's a behind the book essay. There is um, typos have been fixed. And there's some a discussion guide for book clubs. But there's something about just the the like holding the book and smelling the book. And if you saw the video, this book has an also buy page, which was super fun. Um, because it's like, that's the first time that I've had this because it's my second book. Mm-hmm. But it's just holding, you know, again, I had the idea in 2017. So holding four years of work in my hands and the fact that people can go read it now, it's um, just opening that box is like a, almost more symbolic of mm-hmm. that moment that, okay, it's here. Let's do this. Now, when do you read your reviews? I do all the time. And I know I'm not supposed to, but I have tough skin and the bad ones, I know that every book is not for every person. And the bad reviews, I take in stride. I usually send them to my critique partner to be like, haha, look at this. But the good reviews make my heart so full and happy. And like, I, those are the people that I write it for. And I know, like, I look at my, some of my favorite books and they have bad reviews. And it's just, every book is not for every person and that's okay. So I know the I'm not- The courage to be disliked. I'm telling you, the courage yeah. to be disliked. The best book, yeah. the best philosophy, Japanese philosophy. But- how are readers responding to the book right now? They're liking it and it makes me so happy. Like it makes me so happy. I think that 
there have been a few consistent criticisms, but then people will say the exact opposite. So some people think that Paige is, she's 43. I wanted to write her as like an, you know, I guess, I mean, that's my, almost my age. So I guess I'm older, but I don't, I think some people, younger readers think that she is like acts young for her age, but I don't feel like 43 is old. And so I think that it's like, that's been a thing, but um, readers seem to really resonate with it. And my first book was definitely a tearjerker. I knew going in, like it is a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. This book I didn't think would be as tear inducing, but a lot of people have said that they've been crying, but they also laugh. And I, I don't know. I just, it still just astounds me that like having people feel feelings mm-hmm. based on something that I wrote and created, it's pretty, um, it's pretty special. And I focus on, I focus on that. And I focus on the individual readers who like the story because they're, they're my people. <laughs> yes. You know, you said 43 in numerology, if you do four plus three or seven. So that's how I look at age, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're always 10 and then we start over again. <laughs> we go from one to 10. But so, all right, we've got to wrap this up because the illusion of time is upon us. And I'm like, I want to stay here and talk more. So you'll have to come back. Are you writing another book? I'm writing like three more books right now. I've oh, got, cool. I've got like 15 years, two months. I'll get them done in two weeks. <laughs> I've got a few side projects with some different collaborators. And I just, um, I've, I've not wasted a second of this pandemic and being stuck at home. <laughs> and you know what? And that's, that's why you're doing your thing and smiling. Because you know what? We could sit down and do nothing. Or we could do what we're born to do. Little pieces of me. Go get it now. Enjoy the book. This hammer. Go read it. Write If you love it, let her know. And if you love it even more, let her know even more. (laughs) All right. We've got to wrap this show up. What do you want people to take with them into this week? Oh, goodness. Um, Be your best. Do your best. And I love what you said about don't be afraid to. What did you say? The courage to be disliked. Yeah, the courage to be disliked. Just be you. I love it. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I love it. And, um, you know, I want people to take it this week. The Reading Rainbow theme song. You know, it's like butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. It's in a book. Just take a look. The reading rainbow. Really like enjoy that theme song and know that you are that butterfly. Like fly as high as you want. Read as much as you want, but do read, support authors, buy books, support local bookstores. And I think reading is just a part of loving yourself because it's self-care, it's self-worth, it's self-compassion. It's taking time for you to enjoy daydreaming and getting lost in a book so to my authors tonight i thank you so much allison hammer for being here and of course for uh rayanne thames thank you so much and of course to you know get red amory i love you girl because every time i need an author to come on the show you're like i have someone and you always give me the best so alice the best the best and i look forward to reading little pieces of me i'm going to order it right now actually they're in bookstores too right now, right? They're everywhere. I am going to go to the, I am going to Barnes and Noble right here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I'm going to buy the book and I'm going to post a picture of me buying the book. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Will you join me again? I would love to. We're cool. friends. Yeah. And we are. Second time we're family. <laughs> and then when my book comes out, I'll send you a copy. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't All right. Wait. Thank you so much for being here on Max and Friends. Bye. Have a good night. All right, everyone. I love you all for tuning in. I've got to go. So on that night, on that night, on that night, away in a manger. <laughs> no, on that note, um, take life to the max. Good night and good karma. I'm your host, Max Succi for Max and Friends.